Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Buddy Woodall is a husband and a father of three. In January, he'll celebrate his 22nd wedding anniversary with his wife, Christy. Buddy is also serving three consecutive life sentences in Georgia's Telfair State Prison for the murder of two men. One of them, his uncle. The crime is known down in Georgia as the Labor Day murders. The victims were Lavelle Lynn, that was Buddy's uncle, and another man named Robert Van Allen, who worked with Lavelle. Prosecutors described it as a violent ambush-style attack. The motive, robbery, $400. Buddy Woodall was convicted of the crimes in 2005. This is Buddy calling Christy and our production team from inside the prison. We weren't allowed to record in Telfair, so we have to rely on phone calls. Sometimes it's a little loud, it's a little distracting, but bear with us. I have a minimum of like 52 years left before I've ever become eligible for parole. If you couldn't hear Buddy, he just said he has a minimum of 52 years left before he's eligible for parole. I'm never going to make it. You know, I would be 97 years old. For years and years, I tried to get Christy to leave me, to divorce me, you know, and so forth and all. I don't want Christy to miss out on so much life. My kids, I mean, there is just so much out there they could do if they were to let go. And I hate thinking about that because I know deep down in my heart that she's going to stay with me no matter what. Mm-hmm. I sure am. And I really do hate that because she deserves so much more. I mean, she deserves that second chance. With you. But baby. Shut up. We know. I love you. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed.
think it's important to start this episode off by saying that Christy Woodall has never given up hope that Buddy is innocent. She totally believes that one day a judge will also find him innocent and let Buddy come home to her. It's not our place to tell you whether Buddy is or isn't innocent. We're here to tell a story about what it's like to be married to someone who's serving three life sentences for murder. How do you keep a love alive for 18 years when you can rarely touch that person? Never spend a single night with them. May never spend a single night alone with them ever again. For this episode, we drove down to Waycross, Georgia so we could talk to Christy Woodall in person. It was one of her rare days off. She works 40 hours a week as a waitress at the Cracker Barrel on Memorial Drive in Waycross. We all waited for Buddy's call on Christy's phone. Buddy and Christy can only talk in 15-minute increments on the prison phone system. So they and we keep getting interrupted by this strangely chipper automated lady voice. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at Telfair State Prison. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. To re- thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation. Hi, buddy. Buddy. Christy and Buddy met in the 10th grade at Brantley County High School, home of the Herons. They were 15 years old. They had a couple of classes together, including PE. And whenever we'd go out and play volleyball, the ball, whenever I would hit it, it would travel over there and hit Buddy because he'd be on the opposite side. I mean, it would always hit him, smack him in the head, in the back, whatever, it just would. And he thought I would be doing it on purpose, but I mean, I'm shorter than he is, okay? And I don't see how it would do that, or I would do it intentionally. But uh, I told one of my best friends, Teresa, I said, I really do like him. I remember coming down the walk, and Teresa Altman, who was her best friend at the time, she walked up to me, she's like, buddy, she goes, I got something to tell you. I said, what? I don't know someone who likes you. I said, really? I said, so do I. She goes, who? I said, Christy. She goes, how did you know? I said, it's obvious. But see, the thing is, is see, I'm very shy when it comes to women. All right? I don't pursue women, even though I love my wife to death. It's just I'm very shy when it comes to, you know, women and so forth. So I did not pursue Christy. So I started pursuing him, and I would tote all his books to class, to his classes, and then it finally progressed, and he would start toting all my books to my classes. <laughs> so then it just progressed from there. We just fell in love. Back then, Buddy was just a little gangly thing. His skin and bones. He didn't weigh but maybe 121 pounds in school. <laughs> Same same size as me <laughs> back in school. <laughs> Buddy, what do you think of Christy? Christy, do you really want me to answer that question? Yes. You can be honest, buddy. I'm serious. Yes, go ahead. Okay. He thought I was a slut. I wouldn't say that, you jackass. I mean, really? It was because of the people she hung out with, you know, because they had that reputation that, you know, they were easy. Let's just say that my wife, to me, she is a very beautiful woman. 
even in school, you know, she was a very drop-dead gorgeous woman. Christy assured me that she wasn't as easy as the rest of her friends, and she was so into Buddy. And even though Buddy was nervous around girls, he was really into her too. Still, their first official date wasn't until homecoming 1990. I remember, you know, being high as a kite, <laughs> you know, and I just knew I was going to get lucky that night. <laughs> I did. And the only thing I got lucky with was actually being able to kiss her. <laughs> you remember how I was able to do that, Christy? Yes. I took my shoes off in the car, and whenever I reached down to put them on, you grabbed one of them. And wouldn't yeah. give it back, and whenever I leaned over, you kissed me. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly how it happened. That first kiss said it all. I love you. I love you too, Christy. Buddy and Christy's families lived in Brantley County, Georgia. Buddy lived on the east side, a town called Popwellville. It's one of the poorest, it's probably the poorest of the poor of Brantley County. Mm. And I come from that side, and Christy, you know, came from the west end of Franklin County, and the west side was the money side of the county, even though I know that Christy, you know, and all, they didn't have money like everybody on the east side thinks, but we didn't have money. So Buddy felt like Christy's family didn't approve of him because he came from the poor side of town. There's literally a railroad track that separates those two sides of town. It was hard on their relationship, but they stuck it out. Here's Cindy, Christy's mom. Oh, me and Buddy didn't get along. Now, the first time that she introduced us, we did. But they were both young, and I knew that Christy was going to graduate high school, and I wanted Buddy to graduate, too. They were seniors. And I got a little ugly, and I shouldn't have, but, you know, I mean, that's just being a mama. (laughs) And it didn't stop Buddy anyway. You know, deep down, what, almost 30 years ago, I knew this. And I knew then that Christy was the one I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Christy, I can still remember the first place that you ever told me you loved me. I, oh, I remember it too. You remember what you were wearing? A pair of stonewash pants. Was it the pink high tops? They were graced. They were graced on wash, a purple shirt. Mm-hmm. Little white kids. Oh, and I wrote it on your hand. All right, we were down Highway 32, mm-hmm. and we were in between two bridges, and you wrote it on my hand. And I told you to do it again. I've done it again. And I told you I love you, too. Mm Mm-hmm. He's got a good memory. You have one minute left. Call me back. I will. Okay. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I love you, too. All right, bye. Bye, baby. The caller has hung up. One of those things that I noticed talking to Buddy and Christy is how much they cherish these memories of the time that they were actually together. The memories are so vivid in both of their minds, and you can tell that they think about those times a lot, especially since memories are all they really have left together. We're going to take a quick break here while we wait for Buddy to call us back. 
Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at Telfair State Prison. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Hi, Bobby. Christy and Buddy dated until the end of high school. That's when Christy got pregnant with their son, Jason, right before graduation day. But I did graduate high school. Okay, I was three months pregnant whenever I graduated. And when we both did. And, but I did graduate high school. (laughs) I'm looking at my mama too as I'm saying this. (laughs) Hmm. They were real young, and they'd break up and get back together and break up and get back together. Buddy loved Christy, but he didn't know if he was ready to be a dad. Even now, he admits that he should have been more excited when Christy told him she was pregnant. Buddy was also just a little bit reckless. Nothing major, stupid teenage boy stuff. He lost his driver's license when he got a ticket for drag racing. So I wasn't able to work, and I guess Christy got scared that I wasn't going to be able to support her or whatever. When you're that young, it's easy to get spooked. When you're about to have a baby, it's easy to get spooked. Trust me. It was the day before Father's Day in 1992 that Buddy went over to see Christy, and she gave him some news he didn't want to hear. I found out that she had went down to Panama City with another guy. Well, that in itself was totally devastating. And she informed me that she no longer wanted anything to do with me and that I would never see our child. What went through your mind? I wanted to kill myself after that. Not lying. I I truly did. When Christy, you know, kind of kicked me to the curb the day before Father's Day, it it devastated me. I went to the church the next morning. It was Father's Day, and my dad would get out of his truck. We're walking up to our church. My dad looks at me and goes, well, happy Father's Day, son. And I never, never in a thousand years thought about me being a dad until that moment. I broke down crying. My dad told me to go talk to my pastor, and I went and talked to him, and he was like, buddy, if it was meant to be, it will be. He goes, that's all I can tell you. 
Buddy wanted to get the hell out of there. He joined the Marines. Pretty soon, he was shipped off to Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. I was home on leave whenever Christy got married. And I'd done everything that I thought I could, with the exception of showing up at her wedding, you know, to stop the wedding. And she still went through with it. Even though I told her, you know, that I loved her, I spent, what, we spent probably all night Friday and half the morning Saturday trying to convince you not to marry him. Mm -hmm. I told Christy that I gave her and George six months and that their marriage would be over. Buddy wasn't wrong. Christy's first marriage lasted less than a month, and she was talking to Buddy the entire time. Geez, we talk and talk and talk and talk. We talk a lot, didn't we? Yeah. Even though the marriage was short, Christy got pregnant with her second son, Chris, while Buddy was serving with the Marines. Buddy didn't flinch when Christy told him that she was pregnant. He said he'd raise Chris. He just wanted Christy. Christy is the person that I wanted. All right. So it didn't matter to me that she was pregnant with another man's child or nothing like that. That was, that was a mute point with me. It takes a lot for a man to raise another man's son. Buddy stepped up right from the get-go. He didn't have no qualms about it. No issues. And he still doesn't. And I kept on telling her, Christy, I'm coming home for Christmas. Can you wait till then? And she was like, you're not coming home. And I just kept on telling her and telling her, yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. It took me about 42 hours, actually, to drive from Camp Pendleton, California, to Waycross, Georgia. And all I really wanted to do is I just wanted to see her, you know. And I kept on calling and telling you know, I'm on my way, whatever. And lo and behold, I show up at her house. Of course, she wasn't expecting it. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at Telfair State Prison. Christy and Buddy were 19 when they finally got married to each other. They did it right in Christy's grandma's front yard. The whole place was packed. Christy's Uncle Bill married them. Buddy and Christy had another son, Sean right away. Three kids under the age of five. It's a lot. It was kind of stressful back then, but it wasn't all roses or anything. Every, every couple has their, every young couple has their arguments. But you have to learn to pick and choose your battles. And most of our arguments wasn't even about big stuff. It was just about little penny any stuff. You know, it was just like him leaving the toilet seat down. Pick it up. Put it down. Put it down after you get done using the bathroom. You know. But what are some of your happiest memories from back then? Washing dishes and him coming up behind me and, you know, giving me a hug from behind and telling me that he loves me and um, helping me wash the dishes helping me hang out the clothes, because back then we didn't, we had a dryer, but, you know, we were young, saving on electricity. We'd be out there hanging out clothes at the clothesline, you know, playing with the kids in the yard, him mowing the grass, teaching the boys how to push mow the yards, having big old family get-togethers and bonfires out, out in the backyard. I mean, it was just family stuff. 
Buddy was working at Orkin as a pest controller. Christy was working at the Tire Lube Express, changing oil and tires. Which was a big issue back then because most women didn't do it. And most men didn't want women working on their vehicles. Then they both got jobs at Walmart and their schedules were opposite times of day. Christy would be going to work and Buddy would just be coming home. I would be working it during the daytime and he would be working at night, so we'd kind of find that in the middle place because whenever I was getting off work, he was going into work a couple hours later. Or I'd go pick him up from work and then myself go into work. So it was just, I don't know, it was kind of crazy time back then, but you really don't think about stuff like that whenever it's happening, you know. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. I love that jackass. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to take another break here. When we get back, we'll talk about the night Buddy was arrested for the murders of Lavelle Lynn and Robert Van Allen. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at Telfair State Prison. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Labor Day 2000 was a pretty normal day for Buddy. At the time, he was working two jobs at the Walmart and the Burger King, but he was off that Monday. His Jeep needed a new starter, so he took Christy's car out to Brunswick to the auto parts store out there. Got Christy's car, took Christy's car over there. On my way back, I had to use the restroom. All right, I stop at a store to use the restroom, go in, use the restroom, and I leave. All right, that was it. It was a normal day, just like any other day. And Buddy didn't remember anything truly remarkable about it until he heard that night that his uncle had been killed. Six months later, on March 13, 2001, Buddy was brought in for questioning about the murder. The lead investigator for the Glen County Police Department was this guy named Tommy Tyndale. Tommy Tyndale just immediately started in, you know, saying, you know, that... I had something to do with this. My dad believes, you know, this and that my dad was making all these accusations that, you know, and, and so forth and all. And come to find out, all Tommy Tindall was doing was fishing. All of, everything was lies and all. 
to this day, I will not admit to anything, you know, as far as having to do anything with, you know, my uncle's murder, because I'm not guilty of anything to having to do with my uncle's murder. The investigators told Buddy that they just wanted to ask him some questions. According to Buddy, he waived his rights. He thought he would answer the questions and then get home. But the interrogation kept going and going, and he was completely exhausted. The only thing I thought about was Christine and the kids. What would happen? Why Why is this happening? And what is going to happen to my wife and kids? So instead of going and talking to the, you know, an attorney, which I should have done, I went home. I went straight home, and I told Christy everything. I was scared. God knows I was scared. Me and Christy, we stayed up all night long because too much Hollywood, really. I was really expecting them to come kick my front door in, throw me out, arrest me. So, I mean, I had no idea of the do's and don'ts, you know, especially when you're not guilty of anything. They never showed up. So I go to work the next day. I get home, and there's like eight or ten cop cars in my yard waiting on me to get home. I guess they had been searching the house, and they had been searching my wife's car. So when I pull up... You know, I got officers coming out from up under my wife's car. They're coming out the house from around the house, you know, and so forth and all. So when I get there, they ask if they can search my Jeep, you know, and I'm like, yeah. So they go in and search the house again. Then they ask me to go to the Franklin County Sheriff's Department. They took my wife's car saying that they found one of the victim's blood on my wife's car. I'm like, really? you got to be, you know, this can't be real. I repeatedly, during this whole interrogation, I repeatedly asked to go home. And they kept on telling me, no, no, you can't. You can't. We can't let you go. And I begged them. I mean, I broke down crying because, I mean, all they kept on doing was telling me, buddy, we know you did this. We know you did this. And I was like, no, I didn't. We know what happened. I said, I don't know what happened. We know you were there. I was like, no, I wasn't. Yes, you were. No, I wasn't. Then... According to Buddy, one of the interrogators told him something that chilled him to the bone. Buddy, if you don't tell us exactly what we want to hear, the same thing that happened to your uncle and to Robert, the same thing will happen to your wife and kids. Do you want that? So I went along with their synopsis. I incriminated myself. To this day, Buddy claims that he was threatened, that his wife's life and his children's lives were threatened. I was convicted of two counts of felony murder and one count of armed robbery. They needed a conviction, and they got it. It has caused something that can never be replaced, and that is time. He said it costs something that can never be replaced. Time. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at Telfair State Prison. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. Thank you for using Securus. Y'all there? Y'all can hear me? Yeah, baby.
Now, Buddy has always maintained his innocence. There were more than 35 suspects, and there was circumstantial evidence that put Buddy at the scene of the crime. But Buddy's case pivots on a confession that he gave to the Glynn County Police Department, and Buddy says that he gave that confession under duress. The judge in Glynn County saw it differently. And that judge, you know, sentenced me to three life sentences rank consecutive. So I know that my chances are really non-existing as far as being able to get out. I want Christy to be happy. And she deserves a lot better and a lot more than what I believe. Then what I feel, not what I believe, but what I feel that I'm able to give her from in here. We're taking a quick break here. Be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. During the trial, Christy was called to testify, and it was her job to plead for Buddy's life before the jury. I begged that jury not to give him the death penalty. I looked at each and every one of them. But whenever I was talking about Buddy, they kept telling me to look at the jury instead of looking at Buddy. But I couldn't, I couldn't look at the jury while I was talking about our life. I was looking at Buddy because it was our life, not mine and the jury's life. It was mine and Buddy's life. You know, it was our life that I was trying to save. Do you remember what you told the jury? I begged them not to not to kill him, not to give him the death penalty, because I know he was innocent. He was a good man. He was a good father. No, I wasn't. Yes, hell, you was. In my eyes, buddy, I mean, come on. Everybody can be better at what they do. They can grow, but we were just like starting out, and they took that from us. But still, Christian, I could have been so much more. Everybody could be so much more than what they were, baby. That's the past. True, but I mean, geez. All you all wanted was my time. 
And, you know, that's something that's irreplaceable. And I didn't give it to you all like you deserve. Buddy was sentenced on Saturday, September 10th, 2005. To the Senate, or to the charge of felony murder. On count one, felony murder. I hereby sentence you, Mr. Woodall, to life in prison. Count two, a felony murder. I hereby Mr. sentence you, Mr. Woodall, to a life sentence to be ranked consecutive with count one. To count three, armed robbery. I hereby sentence you, Mr. Woodall, to life imprisonment to be run concurrent with counts one and two. Mr. Woodall, I hereby sentence you to three consecutive life sentences. You are hereby remanded over to the state of Georgia to begin your sentence. And my, my, my whole very existence seemed like it ceased to exist. I broke down right there because everybody thought I mean, we all thought that he was coming home that day, you know. Even the ones that transported him from the jail to the courtroom said that, but he's coming home, he's coming home, you know. And whenever they done that, I was like, I, I just broke down and started crying right there. I had been strong, so strong up until then. You're still, you're still strong. I know, baby. I mean, I just broke down then. I have my moments, but, you know. Right after Buddy was convicted, he told Christy to divorce him. He told her she didn't deserve this, that she should forget him and have a good life without him. I've tried everything I could to get Christy to divorce me. You know, I have threatened this and threatened that. Christy, did you even have to think about it? No. I didn't even have to think about it. I told him no. I wasn't going to. Flat out. Have other people told you to divorce him? To move on? Yes. And you tell them no? I sure do. And some of them's in, in our own family. And like I told them, I hope hope you're never in a position to where you need your family, you know, or your spouse to be there with you, and they give up on you. I know deep down in my heart that she's going to stay with me no matter what. Mm-hmm. I sure am. And I really do hate that because she deserves so much more. I mean, she deserves that second chance. Christy lives about 77 miles from the prison and she works 40 hours a week. She's busy taking care of her family, taking care of her mother. It's hard to get out there to see Buddy. We only get to see each other. I've seen you what, Chrissy? Twice this year? Mm Mm-hmm. What are the rules? Can you touch each other during these visits? No. Just that first initial kiss and hug and, you know... Buddy says that he and Christy have an unconditional love, one that transcends the need for physical touch. And whenever you have that, and when it's as deep as what it is for us, Mm -hmm. the physicalness, even though you want it and you desire it, it's not a need. You don't need that. I know a lot of people think, you know, that, oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. No, you You don't. don't. 
again, it's, it's, it's truly hard to explain. I mean, God, I, w- I would... I would love to have, Easy. you know, a lot more physicalness, and I just don't mean in a sexual way. I mean, just mm-hmm. to, I yearn to be able to be able to walk down the grocery store or a beach sidewalk and just show my affection for Christy. I would love that. I used to love that when about when we were in school. I used to love that, but it's not a need. It's a want, but it's not a need. Mm-hmm. Buddy can make as many phone calls to Christy as he wants, but they're expensive. They're about two dollars and forty cents for just fifteen minutes. How often do you guys get to talk to each other? We can only really talk as much as what she can afford. Mm-hmm. Which really. And to be honest with you, there's not enough time in the day to where I would not want to hear her voice. And I would love to talk with her as much as I possibly could, mm-hmm. you know, but I know that it's a financial strain, you know, not only for her to be able to call, but I mean, just so much that she does every day, not just for me, but for everyone else that she does. And I hate being that bird. And a lot of that makes me be that ass that I am because I hate being a burden even though they swear up and down I'm not it is a burden they just don't want to admit it shut up but like I tell him he doesn't realize how much of a stress reliever he is for me to be able to hear his voice and talk to him and let him know my everyday what's going on with with out here with us to relieve that that stress i prefer him to call me every day he's not a stinking burden well i am christy i mean shut up but you know just like the good book says you know when a man and a woman get married they become one and you know we've discussed this before i can tell your moods you know, and you can pretty much tell mine, mm-hmm. not only in, in the way that we talk, but the way that we email back and forth with each other, mm-hmm. you know. So I know when you're having a rough day. I know, you know, when I'm having a rough day. So, yeah, I, I do want to hear about your everyday whatever, whatever, you know, because I need it. And I need it from you. It costs a lot to talk enough to have a meaningful conversation. Two fifty-five for every fifteen minutes, I believe, yeah. something like that. Fifty-five, yeah. three fifteen, somewhere around it there. I know that's not a lot, but when you are on a salary like she is, and I'm not saying a salary, but when you make money like she is, like she does, whenever she's a waitress, like she is, I mean, I know that they don't make much money, so. I know that that is a financial burden because she has other worries. I mean, she's got Angela, she's got our kids. She's just got everyday worries, lights, food, gas in her truck. I mean, whatever. I mean, just everyday living, she has those worries. And what she makes is not enough to suffice. How she gets by, I don't know. You know, it's just... All I can say is thank you, Lord. I love you.
When the phone calls are costing that much, do you feel guilty about fighting on the phone? Do we feel guilty about it? Yes, I don't like to fight with Buddy. I hate it. And we have our moments where we do argue, you know. I know that I am a real jackass at times. Mm-hmm. I can be a... Christy, would you rather say it? No. Go ahead. Say it, honey. I'm a complete fool at times. What do you guys fight about, baby? It just gets so hard in here. You know, on a daily basis to go through what I have to go through here. That I really vent and I take it out on the ones that I love. And I know he keeps a lot of stuff away from me because he doesn't want me to worry about him. But I know I can tell in his voice whenever something's wrong with him, just by his mood. I'm scared. And, and, you know, whenever I get scared, I do stupid things. I say and I do, I do things that are very hurtful. Buddy's facing his final shot at freedom. The case is in its final appeal, and if this is denied, that's it. He doesn't get another chance. And I know I have a snowball's chances in hell of winning my case. You know, I just, I don't have the legal understanding, you know, to be able to fight this. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things is, you know, I am so scared of the outcome of this because I don't want Christy to... I know she says she's not going anywhere and she won't go anywhere. And, you know, I don't want her to go anywhere. But I hate dragging her. And with this being my final shot and knowing that it's over with, you know, as far as any chance of me being able to come home, you know, I want to be there for Christy. Not only Christy, but my kids, you know, and our grandkids. You know, I've yet to meet any of my grandkids. I love you. I mean, she's my heart, my soul, my everything. What more could a person want? What would life be like if you got out now? What do you fantasize about it being like? I wouldn't care if we lived in a damn tent, to be honest with you. It'd be great. I mean, he would he wouldn't be able to get that time back, you know, that we've lost, you know, with me and the kids. The first thing I would do is I would drink in every essence of my wife's speech. <laughs> You know, because there's nothing more in life that I want for her. Not only to be happy, but to be happier. And I love you, Christy. I love you too, buddy. I just want her. I want my kids too. I want to grow old with her. I would like to share life experiences that I know that she's never had the chance to do. Take her to Ireland because I know that's <laughs> I know that's where she wants to go one day. 
just enjoy every moment, good and bad, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. Betty, if you don't ever go home and you don't ever get to live with Christy again, what do you want her life to look like? It's not going to be what he wants. It's going to be what I want. (laughs) And I hate thinking about that because I know deep down in my heart that she's going to stay with me no matter what. Mm -hmm. I sure am. And I really do hate that. Because she deserves so much more. I mean, she deserves that second chance. With you. I mean, but baby. Shut up. I love you, buddy. I love you more. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Christy was smiling so wide during our entire interview with her and Buddy. And she just kept telling us one thing. She believes that her marriage to Buddy is better now, stronger now, than it's ever been. It's gotten a lot stronger. It really has. I don't know. He says our, our, our love is a unique story, a love story. I, I chose to stay with Buddy I love Buddy that much, and we just, we don't see a lot of people with with that deep of a connection, you know, that or that deep of love and bond like we have. I mean, I wish people did. The world would be a better place if they did. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Christian <laughs> is a very fair breed. And if I were to ever lose her, there's no meaning to life. Because you can't replace your soulmate. You can't. You can't replace the air that you need to breathe. I have what means the most to me. That's Christian. I would... It would truly kill me to lose you, Christian. You're not going to lose me. I'm not going anywhere, jackass. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but this episode is the final episode of season one of Committed. We'll be back in the beginning of 2019, but in the meantime, we're not abandoning you. We would never do that. We want to hang out with you all the time. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash committed pod. That's facebook.com slash committed pod. And make sure to join the group. The group is where all the fun stuff happens. It's a place you can tell us what you think of past episodes, suggest new episodes, and just talk to us and other committed fans about marriage, life, love, babies, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we'll keep giving you updates on all of our incredible couples from season one. And keep your emails and voicemails coming. We want to hear all of your stories as we get ready for season two. 
Our phone number is 404-996-1173. And you can reach me at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's joe at committedpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've loved making this podcast. It's the most fun I've had in journalism in a decade. And I promise you season two is actually going to be even better than season one. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with special thanks to Buddy and Christy Woodall. It was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt and Tyler Klang, with mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Christopher Hasiotis, Mangesh Hatikater, and Will Pearson. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. We would also like to thank Cynthia McCook and Renee Jalassant. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404 404- 996-1173 that's 404-996-1173 or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com that's jo at committedpodcast.com you can grab a copy of joe's new book charlotte walsh likes to win on amazon or wherever books are sold committed with joe piazza has been a production of the house stuff works family produced in our studios located in atlanta georgia Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.